we reacted well and uh, scored two great goals. You know, I'm not going to be critical of the team. You know, I think there's too much of that. I think there's a lot of expectation on them. I think they're doing very, very well. That's, you know, six wins out of seven and a draw. You know, we're on an unbeaten run. Albeit, you know, we're not maybe at full throttle. We could have went on to win the game four or five. But the, the second goal changed the psychology of the game a little bit. But overall, you know, it's um, another fine win for us. Yes, it's Grand Old Podcast time. I'm Hamish Carton. We've got another Celtic victory to talk about with John McGinley. Yes, it's actually it's a good weekend, Hamish. I feel quite excited and positive to talk about Celtic this week, which makes a change from some of our recent shows. Yes, indeed. We're obviously going to talk about the win over Livingston Saturday afternoon. A bit of a thriller at Celtic Park. It finished 3-2 in the end. Lots of positives at the moment um, for Celtic, a few negatives as well that I'm sure we'll touch on over the course of this podcast, but I suppose the main thing is, John, um, that it's another victory, it's another three points ticked off, and um, we were top of the league, we no longer are, um, but things are looking up. Yeah, I think in terms of victories, you know, the team are doing everything that you can ask for them. Since they dropped points against Kilmarnock, domestically have been pretty um, imperious in terms of results, performances. Again, I thought that was an improvement this weekend. And then to go in today and, and to see Rangers dropping points and all the pattern that comes with that, I mean, <laughs> it's it's perfect. It's been a perfect weekend almost. Yeah. Um I, I saw I saw Rangers today and um, I thought they would win that game actually. I know your opinion differed a little bit going into the game and, and you obviously proved to, to be correct. Um but in, ter- in terms of Celtic yesterday, I didn't get to see the game. I don't have a pass to paradise. I was looking online and there was various links uh, surfacing on YouTube that were quickly taken down. There were copyright claims made by Celtic. So I- I'm not asking anyone to feel sorry for me because at the end of the day, it's the season ticket holders, the one that's, ones that forked out hundreds of pounds this season that deserve to see the games. Um, but I just thought it was interesting that I literally couldn't couldn't watch the Celtic match yesterday and I can't remember the last time that happened. Yeah, it's a difficult situation, I think, for non-season ticket holders. I know the club have tried to protect the value of of season ticket holders and they're going on about additional value that they're supposed to be offering, which isn't exactly forthcoming, in my opinion. For me, the past the paradise is working great. Um, you know, for people who don't have it, their, their options are, are difficult and... See, even when you do have it and it's not working, you go on the Twitter and you get told that you're trying to hack the system and all this stuff <laughs> nonsense. So I think poor the club have a bit to work on. Yeah, poor old Brian. I think the, the club have a little bit to work on, I think, in terms of um, what the offering is versus the, what the expectation is against the reality of what, the, um, what fans are getting because some people just can't have access. And if it's through their smart TV, then what are they supposed to do? They, they, can't, they can't really... There's no logical way around it. You can't fiddle with someone on your PC, you know, or on your smart TV in the way that you can with a PC. So that's difficult for people. Um, and, you know, I think the club have missed an opportunity over the last seven days or so to add additional value to past the Paradise users because, you know, it would have been good if they'd managed to strike a deal with Ross County and St. Mirren, for example, and perhaps said to them, you know, we'll give you a nominal fee or we'll give you some sort of fee for everyone that logs on and views your stream and then offer that back to, to people who have the past the paradise. I think that would have um, been real added value, genuine added value, and not just some guy in stilts up the Celtic way when football comes back. <laughs> Aye, I think um, the club have got themselves into a wee bit of a a hole with this one using that added value phrase because it seems very much from the outside looking in and I could be totally wrong with this maybe Peter Lowell and co have got something tucked up their sleeve but from my point of view it seems a bit as if they've thrown this comment away uh, hope that it maybe didn't stick and now people are remembering the club are kind of going mm-hmm. shit we're going to have to find something here I'm very much of the opinion uh, that if we win 10 in a row this year it'll pass and no one will criticise because everyone will be so elated with 10 in a row and I feel almost as if 
that's what the club are playing for a wee bit. Um, I can't think what else the added value could be. It's a great idea you have, brilliant idea about the Ross County St Mirren mm-hmm. stuff. They could have subsidised those, even um, you know, got fans to to pay for a, a certain percentage of it or whatever. Maybe a fiver and Celtic paid the rest because then St Mirren would end up with more money. There was ways around it they could have done and. Sadly, without going too negative on you know the hierarchy at the club um, and those and those kind of jobs, uh, I don't know if they've got those kind of brains that work in that way at the moment. It seems very much as if they're um, reactive thinkers rather than proactive. So, anyway, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But I just thought it was interesting in the year twenty twenty, um, with me mm. and all my HD tellies and my laptops and all that kind of thing that I couldn't actually see Celtic live yesterday. And I'm not asking anyone to feel sorry for me. Maybe I'm a little bit, but um, but we got there. You should have a legal route to purchase uh, watching the game. Like it's difficult for everyone right now. You know, the the seat, and it, it would be different. For instance, I think if you know, say they'd sold thirty thousand season tickets, um, and you went one of them, and then you're moaning about it. But realistically, they sold out the yeah. season tickets, so you couldn't even got one if you know. You couldn't even go get one, or you can't even, you know, look to buy one or a half season ticket or anything like that in the future. So, there should be a route for people to watch Celtic, um, and it shouldn't have to come down to using dodgy websites with daft pop ups and tracking down YouTube channels that are getting taken down by the media people at Celtic. And you know, they're in, within the rights to take those those streams down. But for me, they should only do that and only be so dogged on that if they're actually offering a proper route. For fans in the UK and Ireland who can't make Celtic Park, it's tw- I, I, like you say, it's twenty twenty. People have complicated lives. It's not as easy as if you live within the Glasgow area, you just turn up at Celtic Park and that's your do or die, and that's all you get. And if you don't have any luck with that, you could luck listen to it with no medium move. Like it shouldn't be like that anymore. People, Celtic fans are live right across Britain. I know plenty of Celtic fans in London. I know Celtic fans in Manchester. There's Celtic fans in Ireland. You know, it's not feasible for everyone to come up for every match. So give people a route to watch these matches. And I know, no, it's not always down to the club. There's rights issues and rights issues to do with uh, Sky Sports, but. There was an opportunity to sell that game to non-season ticket holders and they should have taken it. Yes, certainly a little bit frustrating. In terms of the actual match that happened yesterday, as I say, you got to see it. What were the Mm. the main takeaways from your point of view? So, like I said at the top of the show, I I felt it was a much improved performance, um, specifically in the midfield midfield area. And I felt that it was Callum McGregor's best game of the season. It was Olivier and Cham's best game of the season and probably Ryan Christie's best game of the season too. I thought that trio uh, spearheaded everything good about our play yesterday and really used um, looked to link up with the players around them with McGregor down the left and Cham down the right. I felt that Ayeti was... Uh, um, you know, a big part of the game, you know, not just in his goal, but just with his hold-up place and nice touches, um, looking to get involved in the game. And I think the link um, between Christie and Ayeti was very functional um, in the sense that, you know, when we've had strikers, one striker on the pitch in, in recent games at the start of the season, they've sometimes looked isolated. Mm. But um, Christie really bridged the link between the midfield and Ayeti. And it was actually... First of first and foremost, a really enjoyable match. I know it was, it kind of became a bit nervy towards the end, but I really enjoyed the ninety minutes. I thought it was well contested. I thought Livingston were decent, um, and it was just a really enjoyable ninety minutes. The best of the of the season, just in terms, you know. And it's easy to to forget when you're analysing these matches and talking about these matches so much as we do, talking and writing about Celtic. But at the end of the day, it's you know it's just an entertainment business. And yesterday, I was thoroughly entertained. Um, and I, I, the same was today against Rangers and Hibs. You know, even if Rangers had won that game, I would have enjoyed the match because I just thought it was a really well contested ninety minutes. Two um, attacking teams going at it with each other, getting physical, getting in each other's faces. And I think the games across Scotland now are starting to have more of that competitive edge compared, you know, that we would usually see with crowds in place, and that's what's been yeah. missing. Um, and I felt like that was the case yesterday and today. So those were my major takeaways. Those were my top three players, I think, would be Christie, Cham and McGregor. And I was delighted with the Yeti as well. I thought he was, you know, that finish was unbelievable. 
Yeah, he looks an absolute class act. Um, I thought it was interesting. Obviously, I didn't get to see the game, but I heard you know a lot of different opinions, and, and the vast majority of what I've heard from Celtic fans on various blogs and podcasts, etc., has been really positive. Uh, and I was a little bit surprised with that, just from what I was hearing, um, listening to the game on the radio. Maybe radio has a habit of making things sound a lot closer and more um, mm-hmm. intense and all that kind of thing. But it sounded, from what a lot of people have said, like, that if that Livingston second goal, which is an absolute screamer, by the way, um, mm-hmm. from the boy Serrano, if that doesn't go in, maybe people have a little bit of a different look at the game because we're strolling it at 3 1, we're playing some good football, could have won by more. But maybe that brilliant goal, um, you know, makes the last 10 minutes a little bit scary and a little bit nervy, and, and people then have a little bit of a different view from the game. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, I think, and, and it's strange as well because I would say that. The performance yesterday was better than the 5-0 win over Ross County, for example. So right. it's just strange how it works sometimes. You know, it's just like scoreline isn't everything. And I thought the scoreline yesterday flattered St Mirren, but at the same time, you know, Livingston. it showed that they were... Com- uh, Livingston, yeah. Um, it showed that they were um, competitive in the match as well. So, yeah, it was it was a difficult afternoon. It was a good workout for the team. And, you know, if all games are like that this season and we win them all, you know, I'll have no problem watching Celtic. I'm not really, I'm not really fussed if the scoreline's close. If the performance is good, I've enjoyed it and I've w- enjoyed watching Celtic going forward with the ball, then I'm a happy man. Um, I'm quite easy to please in that way. I'm not one for these, you know, that we should be dominating every team and picking up every uh, victory with absolute ease without um, being tested and, it was good that a team's tested us and it's good that we overcame it. Um, and I'm looking forward to moving on now. I thought the, the midweek match was a bit of a bore, a bit of a slog against St Mirren. So it was good to see the team, you know, in, in better better form, specifically McGregor. I really thought he drove us on. And I think he's he could be the key this season to kind of getting us playing consistently and um, performing well regularly. Because, you know, it's not going to be Scott Brown, so it has to be someone else. And McGregor's the best candidate to step up, I think. I just think he's a he's a brilliant, brilliant player. He's he's so consistent. However, I did think he maybe had a slight dip in his form at the start of the season. So hopefully he can kick on from Saturday and, and really, you know, become a, a powerful key player for us this season. Yeah, I just think that it's really positive that we're still winning games. Obviously, we're mm-hmm. we're maybe not performing, but we're certainly not performing at our top level yet. Uh, I think you're right. Even the Ross County five 0 win, there was big question marks over parts of that game, mainly the the defending and the amount of chances we gave to County. Um, but the the big biggest compliment you can give the team, I think, since uh, Ferenc Varos, is that we've played four league games, we've won them all, we've taken maximum yeah. points from it. A lot of it's been difficult. You know, Motherwell, the first game was. Um, quite scary for the first half you know at half time a lot of people were, were kind of seeing things going up in smoke a little bit Ross County as I've commented on as much as it was a 5-0 win had some dodgy moments and obviously the last two games dare I say you know could have dropped points in, in either or both of them in another season so um, obviously going behind in both games so it's been a little bit tricky over the last couple of weeks things haven't always gone to plan there's been a lot of um, you know kind of bad moments from certain players in the games, a few poor performances from the collective team. But as I say, the biggest compliment I can give the team right now is that they're winning games and it's stating the obvious, but the league winners this season will be determined by um, you know, who takes the most points from this season. And we've only dropped two points so far. We're going into a really, really important run of games, albeit that I think the big ones... Um, come after the next international break I think we've got Rangers at home and then Aberdeen away um, or consecutive games um, and obviously Hibs coming up next week um, so a lot of big games against the top teams I think we need a good bit of work to get results in those games because I think if we mm-hmm. perform like we did in the last couple of games uh, I don't see us beating Hibs next week I don't see us beating Rangers on the 17th of October but... <laughs> I think this team uh, is just waiting in that spark and and who knows when it will come and who knows in what form mm-hmm. it will come but I think we're just and I think we'll know when it happens that's the thing we'll, we'll have that moment that game where we look back hopefully and go that was when it clicked for this new team. Yeah, and I think that's that's what I saw glimpses of, glimpse of yesterday when you know it wasn't a complete performance but I think that's what I'm kind of hanging my hat on coming out of the weekend and I mean, you're right. There's everything's not perfect at Celtic. Like that result does, 
you know, there's still concerns in that team. And it's actually strange online just now because there seems to be a real polarisation of fans where um, if you criticise the team, you're you're a negative, you know, pant wear. If you're too positive, then you're um, just a cheerleader. But Where do we reality, come into that, John? Well, I like to think that we come into that, you know, just as we see it, call it down the middle and as we see it. And don't take too much of a stance in either direction. I'm not going to sit here and defend Lennon for everything he does. At the same time, I'm not going to call him. I'm not going to call him some of the the slurs and the names or go overboard in terms of who Lennon is and what he means to Celtic. And because he's an icon of the club, and you can't really take that away from him, regardless of what happens this season. I think for me, you know, obviously this there's new there's nuance to the situation. There's nuance to Celtic all the time. And just because we're celebrating a win um, and looking back on it fondly, you know, there's still big issues in the midfield. There's still big gaps when teams break against us. We don't seem to be as positionally aware as we should be. I don't think we're moving the ball as as quick as we should be. You know, I was watching some of the play that Rangers had today at Easter Road and I know they drew, but, you know, some of their counter-attacking was pretty Mm. good. Um, And, you know, that would be a worry for me heading into the Derby next month. Yeah. If we are, you know, pressuring them at Celtic Park, they have the ability to cut us open, I think. Yeah, 100%. So that's a concern, and we need to work on that, and I think we still need to find the right midfield blend. I thought Neil Lennon's comments about Scott Brown were very interesting. I'm actually just going to read them out for you now. Because um, there's been a lot, as, as we know, there's been a lot of chat about Scott Brown, and I'm not trying to reignite the debate because I, I think we've said all we can on it for now. Mm-hmm. It's really ultimately now, it's a Lennon call, it's a Lennon judgment call. But this is what Neil Lennon said about Scott Brown and rotating him in and out of the team. Um, Lennon said, It's common sense. Bruni knows he'll not be able to play all the games, but he's very fit, as he always has been. He's injury-free and his form is good because in these last few games, he's coming to his own. We'll have a conversation with him as we go along about dipping in and out. There may be games where he could do with putting his feet up or getting a bit of breathing space. We'll try to have him ready for the really intense games where his experience and quality are valuable. Um, and then Lennon kind of goes on to say about players who have a slow start to the season. I think there are a lot of players like that. Christopher Julian could be in that bracket too. I was a bit like that myself. It took me until the start of September to find my best form. So Scott's not alone with that. Hmm. So what's your reaction to that, first of all? And then I'll, that, that, I'll that's the first, first time I've heard those quotes and I'm, I'm loving mm-hmm. them. I think it's brilliant. Uh, I think the fear I certainly had... Uh, and a lot of Celtic fans will have had, um, and it may still manifest, but the fear is that, that Neil Lennon would just keep playing Scott Brown every single week because he's the captain and he has to play every single game. And Scott Brown doesn't have to play every single game. Yesterday, for example, was a game that Scott Brown didn't have to play. With Europe on Thursday night, uh, I know the league's a priority this season, but you know Europe, for me, is a more important game than Livingston at home. Uh, getting into the Europa League is more important than, than Livingston at home. I think Scott Brown could have played that game on Thursday and sat out yesterday. And hearing those quotes from Lennon, and also hearing Scott Brown uh Hearing that Scott Brown is, you know, recognises that is is really positive as well. I actually remember he did a press conference recently, Scott Brown, and I remember him being asked that. Uh, I think the question was something like, "Would you be okay with spending some time on the bench and not starting games?" And I remember him saying, "Yes, I'll, I'm happy to sit on the bench as long as the team's winning. It's the team that matters." Uh, to paraphrase, mm-hmm. and when I saw those quotes, I was immediately thinking, "That's just typical football chat." You know, the, the interviews you see every single weekend after a game. It, it's not me; it's the team that matters. But actually, reading those Neil Lennon quotes, I think are far more interesting. Uh, I'm massively enthused by that. I just hope that he follows through with that because I feel like last season we heard mm-hmm. about how Callum McGregor was going to be rested and James Forrest <laughs> and I think he might be rested Callum McGregor three times or something and one of them was in Estonia when we'd won the first leg 5-0 so um, hopefully he follows through with these comments this season. So so here's my work in theory now and this isn't a defence of Lennon um, so I hope anyone doesn't take it as one because um, I do have issues with his team selections and his chopping and changing and rotation. But the perception, I would say, amongst his detractors is that um, he's chopping and changing the team because he doesn't know his best to live in, right? And over the last, you know, I initially thought like that a couple of weeks ago, 
But now thinking about it now and reading more of Neil Lennon's comments and because of the job we do, I basically read and listen to everything Lennon says in public. Mm. It seems to me that that perception is wrong and it's more that Lennon is still feeling like his team aren't up to scratch in terms of match sharpness and fitness. And so he's bringing in players and, and taking out players because he wants to get everyone up to the same level where they're firing in on all, all cylinders. And I know we probably should be beyond... We should be at that stage already, I think, even with the weird preseason and the qualifiers. But I think, for whatever reason, Lennon still doesn't think his players are there. Um, but now we're seeing Ayeti coming on stronger. You know, We're seeing, hopefully, Eduard coming on stronger after being rested yesterday. Perhaps Brown has needed this run of games to really get himself up to playing fitness mm. and... You know, Lennon thinks that he's a slow starter and he thinks that he needs all these games. And so Lennon's trying to get those into his legs and he'll make decisions about resting them going forward. I'm happy enough with that explanation, but as long as, just like you said, as long as it happens. Now, Lennon's often one for saying something in the press and doing something the opposite. Yes. So I'm not saying he's lying, but I also always take his comments with a pinch of salt. So we'll see what happens. But I think the narrative that he doesn't know his best team or he's totally clueless about his squad of players, I think is a little bit harsh. Um, and especially, you know, we were looking today in the context of the last 10 seasons, after seven games, we've got as many points as in any of those seasons or nine in a row in. I've, I've got them here, actually. We, right. We've got 19 points from our, our first seven games, six wins mm-hmm. in a draw this season. We've matched that in four other seasons in the last decade so in a run of 10 in a row we've got 19 points in five occasions and that's the most we've ever taken so we've never won our first seven games so we're very much yeah. on course um, and, and at a top level when you consider a couple of years ago we were in 13 points at this stage it, sh- it shows that the team's played or maybe not necessarily playing well but they're certainly getting the rewards yeah and they're not playing well and I think that's where it comes from too because people aren't blind to the performances so People can say, you know, we've won, we've won six, six of our seven games and drawn the other and everything's hunky-dory and pretend everything's fine. But the reality that people are seeing on the pitch is not that. And so they're pushing back against that. And it leads to this polarisation, like I said before. And it leads to Celtic fans arguing and bickering with each other when the truth is quite simple. We're winning games, but we're not playing well. And we need to find a way to play better in our bigger matches ahead. Yeah, and then that, 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 that's basically that, it's as simple as that. That's the big fear for me going forward uh, is Neil Lennon's team selection and, and him getting it right for the big games. I can't lie; that's still a massive fear for me. Uh, and and I, I take I, I actually I take his comments and I take your comments on board totally. And I think it's it's fair to say um, my other point of view would be. Uh, that when we've added so many new players this season, you know, we've added a new goalkeeper, a new centre-back, a new centre-forward, that's pretty much the spine of the team. Uh, I want to see these guys on the pitch forming relationships like we did almost at the start of the year when Lee Griffiths and Edward finally formed that relationship and, and how the back three came together. I want to see the team doing that game to game. Now, that may be a simplistic view for me as a supporter because I only see games mm-hmm. and I understand that players can form bonds uh, on the training ground and even away from football completely these bonds can be formed but for me looking simplistically as a football fan looking at the games where you know rewards are handed out and all that kind of thing um, I want to see a Yeti and Edward forming that partnership on the pitch and it's frustrating for me every time I look at it and one week he's playing Klamala a random game in there you know a few days before um, a Yeti sits out and then on Saturday plays neither Klamala uh, or Edward um, and mm. I, I just kind of look at that and I go I, I, I just I can understand why people look at it and go he doesn't have a clue what he's doing I agree with you I think that's a harsh comment but mm-hmm. sometimes I just don't think he's doing himself any favours with his team selection and I know you've already commented in this podcast saying that you don't necessarily agree with it um, and I get they were winning games but I just look at these upcoming games like Hibs next week for me I'm massively worried about that game I really am we're, we're going to do we're... We're going to do Hibs. We'll do Hibs at home. Oh, I've honestly not... I've got no worries about that. I understand... I understand why people are concerned. It's weird because I can kind of see where both both sides are coming from. What you're saying, and I'm not having a go at you directly, mm-hmm. but that general sentiment of immediately wanting to see partnerships and stuff like that flourish, it's just... It's a little bit impatient for me. Like, none of this comes easy. You know, it's not... 
and and things go on behind the scenes and and you know for example you know it was Edward who came to Lennon on Friday and said that he wasn't um, he was feeling a bit fatigued about the match and didn't want to play so that's not a Lennon decision for him to do that that's Edward coming to Lennon them having a discussion about it and then Lennon taking a decision that's best for the team but when the team gets announced on Twitter on a Saturday afternoon. And I, I'm as guilty of this as anyone in the moment because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a simple fan too. So I get a rush of blood to the head and I react to the team too. But what, what fans are seeing is they're seeing Edouard on the bench and they're going, well, Lennon's an idiot. He doesn't have a clue what his best team is. Whereas if you wait for his comments and you wait for the background to it, you know, you'll find out there was actually Edouard who wasn't up for it. And Lennon did the best he could. And actually, in a Yeti, he's got a striker who he scouted and who he wanted at the club last year. He's got a striker there ready to come in and really do a job for us. And that and does Lennon get credit for that? No, he doesn't, actually. So, I mean, I, I really am in Lennon defence mode here. I, I'm not really trying to come across like that. And I'm not angry at anything. I'm not angry at anyone for questioning him. But I, I do think it's just a lot of bit of patience sometimes. I think the way Lennon sees this is he's building a team for bigger and bigger matches as we go and as the pressure mounts, he's building something here this season. And I think we, we kind of spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, Hamish, that actually this is a team in transition. It's not a team. It's not the finished article. Mm. It's actually a team in transition. We've made five first-team sign-ins who all need to come into the team and find relationships with other players, and that takes time. And we, I think we need to give them time to, to get to that stage. As long as we keep winning while we do it, I actually don't have much of a problem with that. As for Hibs, you know, I think they're a good team. I think they're grafters, and I think Nisbet's a really tricky forward. I think Boyle has pace, and that could that could hurt us. I think they've got a solid midfield unit, and they've got you know characters like Ryan Porteous in defence who like to put themselves about. But when I'm looking at it, we've just got a far better team than Hamish, and I don't think you should worry too much about it. I think we're we'll I think we'll comfortably beat Hibs next season next week at Celtic Park. We'll see. <laughs> I feel. I feel like. I feel like this sets. It's funny that we're we're kind of disagreeing this week. We're in I so know. much agreement last week. We had, we had uh, uh, people kind of disagreeing. The, the listeners will be thinking we've staged this, but um, we've not at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just. I think this Celtic season will be. I don't. And I hate using the, the word defined, but I think a lot um, of how the season's going to pan out will be determined by what happens over the next month both in the transfer window and getting in that left back that we all know the team need um, and also uh, quali- hopefully qualifying for the Europa League group stage uh, and those big games I'm talking about we've got uh, Hibs coming up next week we've then got Rangers at home we've then got the trip to Aberdeen and I think after that we've then got Aberdeen again in last season's Scottish Cup semi-final which still takes a bit of getting used to but uh, for me I- I'm kind of like I was watching the Rangers game earlier Full time went, a wee clench of the fist, nothing too much, no jubilant mm-hmm. celebrations. Um, I was very mm-hmm. much let's. I don't want to get ahead of myself with Celtic. I am. I can't hide it. I am worried about what's going to happen over the next few months. But I also wouldn't be surprised if in four weeks' time this team's turned it around. They're really finding their form. They're scoring four or five goals, um, and we're singing again. But. I'm just concerned, as I say, about the big matches and, and Lennon picking that right team. Uh, I didn't know that about Edward at all. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's a little bit strange. I, I get that if Edward's saying he's maybe not fully fit, um, that's fair enough. But I don't know. I know he's been asked to play through injuries already this season at Tannadice and all that kind of thing, but it just seems a little bit off to me. Just to let the listener know, um, we're recording, we're looking at each other on camera and um, Hamish is visibly tormented by all this um, <laughs> Celtic information coming into his head and going out of his head. He looks like he's struggling with a breakup. <laughs> um, I think, um, but looking at Hamish, I think you're exactly how a lot of people feel right now. And you shouldn't be made to feel bad for being worried. It's, it's the not know, knowing. That's, that's, the not knowing is the worst bit. Mm. That's always the way. Cause I don't know whether Celtic are going to be but, hot or shit this season. I mean that's that's the pressure of what this season is, and you know we talk about the pressure on Lennon, but there's a lot of pressure we're put, we're putting pressure on ourselves as fans as well, um, and we're building it up in our own minds, and we're building it up 
um, and the way we, that we talk about Celtic and write about Celtic and discuss Celtic online on forums and Twitter, we're all kind of segregating ourselves into little camps. You're anti-Lenin, you're anti-Brown, you're pro-Brown, you're pro-Lenin. It doesn't need to be like that. Just, you know, ev- everyone just needs to take a deep breath, I think, and just everything, Champions League exit aside, everything's going all right. Like, the performances aren't quite there yet. The results are, are, are ticking along. There'll be big cathartic moments, either positive or negative ahead, and that's the joy of being a football fan. Yeah. You know, it could all go tits up and, and you know, we'll be there for the fallout for that and we'll all be there with anger and dismay and wondering where it all went wrong. But more likely than not, there'll be big moments like big derby victories and we'll be winning against Rangers and we'll get through to the Europa League group stages and we'll be seeded second and we'll feel like we can qualify for the knockout rounds. You know, there's all this good stuff ahead. It's positive for me. I'm I'm looking forward to it now. I, you know, I was worried and I have been worried a lot about Celtic, but... As long as I see signs of progression and as long as I see some players in that team responding to what Lennon's wanting. I heard Lennon pre-match on Radio Scotland and I heard him say what he wants is for the game to be played in Livingston's half and what he wants is for his midfield to drive forward. And that, that was his, that was his big goals for the game. And then what I saw in the pitch was McGregor and Cham, Christie, all doing wonderful work in the central areas. So Greg Taylor coming into the game, getting another assist. So Frimpong another really tricky, pacey guy on the right side, perhaps not as used as much as he should have been, but still a real outlet for us there. And then I look at our bench, and our bench is unbelievable. We've got El Unissi, got Eduard, we've got all these players on the bench, we've got so many talented young players that they can't even get on the bench. My point is, and I'm getting a bit animated, but my point is, what I want to say most of all is that everything's all right. We don't need to be, we don't need to be in this such a high state where everything's just crazy, and every decision Lennon makes is like going to make or break our season. There's a long road of season ahead, and we all just need to settle down and try to enjoy it a little bit. Um, and that's my message to everyone. Well done, John, including you. <laughs> um, yeah, how do I follow that? I don't, I don't really know how. Um, you've certainly. Um, Calm me down a little bit. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not calmed down. I'm all, I'm all hyped <laughs> up now. I'm switched here. Um, I'm, as I said at the start of the show, I'm waiting on the performance where this all kicks in. It may come on Sunday against Hibs. We may be looking back at that game as the the Murrayfield moment where, where everything kind of clicked. Um, but yeah, I think your your words are, are calming to many people, but I think a lot of people will still remain in that frantic state of and- up and down. You know what's funny about it? It's like I'm looking at the Riga game and I'm thinking, you know, that's a difficult game. You know, am I going to be surprised if we get beat by Riga or Hibs over the next week? No, I'm not going to be massively surprised. So, um, you know, everything's in flux at the moment. Everything needs to just settle into its own rhythm and hopefully Celtic can find their rhythm in it. But this Riga game, what's what's your thoughts on that? Because I know you've looked a lot into them over the last few days. Uh, my thoughts are that I'm a little bit concerned about this one. There, for anyone who who hasn't, um, you know, looked into to Riga much, they're not a they're not a, a great team. They're not a team um, that we should be massively fearing. And the key point is that it's a team that we should be eliminating if we have any hopes of getting to the Europa League group stage. Uh, we have to be seeing off Riga even in a one-legged game away from home. However, having said all of that, their recent European pedigree isn't actually too bad. If we look at last season in the Europa League, they went in in the second qualifying round after uh, dropping out of the Champions League against Irish champions Dundalk. That was on penalties. They went in a tricky draw for them against the Polish, surprise Polish champions from a couple of years ago, P.S. Gluwitzi. They put them out, actually winning their home leg 2-1. They then played um, Helsinki, the, the champions of Finland, put them out again on away goals. They then face Copenhagen in the playoff rounds. This is the final round to get to the Europa League group stage. Uh, A team that we know well, uh, they actually again beat Copenhagen at home in Riga, uh, lost the away leg 3-1 and went out 3-2 in aggregate. So they lost by a smaller margin against Copenhagen than we did. Now I get that it was Copenhagen, you know, six or seven months prior to when they played us and it's probably a totally different team. The key point out of all of that, and I'm looking back at their record over 
what is it, uh, six European games, CSK, Sofia, Dundalk, Piaz, Glowitzi, Helsinki, Copenhagen and Trefiori. They've won four of those six. Um, they've conceded two goals in those six games uh, against Piaz, Glowitzi and Helsinki. They've kept clean sheets against Dundalk, CSK, Sofia, Copenhagen and Trefiori. So with it being a one-legged tie away from home, yeah, I'm concerned about this one when I look at that record and the fact they've conceded two goals. Now, mm-hmm. I get that other than Copenhagen, they've not played a team of our standard. I'd say that we are better than the likes of um, you know, the Polish champions and Helsinki. However, um, it's a game that concerns me, even without thinking about you know how we got on in, against Ferenc Varos. Um, it's obviously our first European away mm-hmm. game of the season, so there's an interesting slant in it there. The fact that we've not seen uh, a couple of new players um, play away from home. I think you could argue last season that we were probably better away from home in Europe. Now, I know we won our three Europa League group stage games, but when you look at the, the Copenhagen tie, the Cluj tie, um, they were positive away results. So maybe that gives us a little bit of positivity Um I think it's going to be tough. I, I really do think. I, I think it's going to be tight. I think anyone that's got it in their head, uh, Riga are going to be a walkover. And I think when you look at the result against the the San Marino uh, champions from San Marino, you one nil. You maybe think um, they are diddies, but I think they're going to be a decent side. I was also reading that their their manager um, Oleg mm-hmm. Kononov missed that game against Trefiori on Thursday and mm-hmm. Friday when it was eventually played. Uh, mm-hmm. He returned home to Russia due to family reasons. And the chat that he is that he could miss the game on Thursday. Now that would obviously be a, a huge boost for us, um, given that they seem to underperform. I mean, only beating the, the champions from San Marino one 0 seems a bit of a poor result, even though they went through. Yeah, um, taking all of that into account, you know, you're 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 hoping that Celtic know how difficult it's going to be mm. as well. That's what matters, isn't it? And you're hoping that Lennon and his coaching team are taking it very seriously. I'm like you, I don't think they're going to be walkovers at all. Um, and it could be a difficult night in Latvia. But surely, yeah, surely. surely. It's that, that basic point. If we can't beat the Latvian champions, even away from home, we do not deserve uh, to be in the Europa League. But anyway, we're looking forward to that one. Now, I have a, a blast. I was going to say a blast from the past. He has a bit of a blast from the past in this podcast because he's never on anymore. Uh, his excuse today, Paul Fisher, I think, was that he was hungover. Is that is that the right thing to say? Yeah, sad, sad days. Um, it's just his heart's just not in it anymore, Hamish, <laughs> um, unfortunately. However, he has, um, he has joined us in, in a way by uh, sending us a voice message. Now, I have no clue what this is going to say, um, so let's play yeah. it and see how it goes. It's interesting looking at it. It's one game, but it changes so many things. So with us winning our game midweek, getting that one game in hand out of the way earlier than we thought, which is really good with a, a win... And then we take on Livingston, who notoriously recently we haven't been really that strong against. And to get three goals, I know we've conceded two and at home, but to get three goals and to get different guys back on the score sheet, um, Callum McGregor and and Christie, and obviously a Yeti scoring again is great to see. And it put the pressure on Rangers for the first time in a few weeks. And as soon as they have the slightest bit of pressure, it was the same when they dropped points against Livingston, slightest bit of pressure and they crumble. And they're crumbling badly because you look at the post-match comments from Gerrard, it's, it's absolutely pathetic stuff. It's throwing his captain under the bus and just not accepting, like, maybe they weren't good enough on the day. That Hibs looked, from what I've seen in the first half hour, Hibs looked decent. Um, Jack Ross has got them set up really quite well and it shows that they're, they're the best of the rest at the moment so um, not surprising that the prediction came true that they would, we would win all our games and they would drop points against Hibs but you have to take it one game at a time it's, it is only one game they've got a trip to Motherwell which may, may prove a bit difficult and we've had we've had good wins and although some of the the comments after the game especially the St Mirren game they weren't good we, we kind of struggled over the line and you can accept that but it's the, the difference between us and them is that we can do that when we're maybe not performing as well as we'd hoped to be and when they drop points it is like a I don't know, it's like rats jumping off a sinking ship it's just excuse after excuse teams drop points you you, you built up and you got on with it when, when, when we did it against Kilmarnock it's um, the reaction since then obviously we went out of the Champions League but domestically we have 
not really looked terrible. We we've looked okay um, for the most part, and there's been glimpses of of brilliance, especially in the games when we're scoring goals. But I think that's it's one thing you look at. We're scoring a lot more goals than than they are. They're too busy trying to go about this unbeaten uh, this record where they're, they're not conceding goals without actually thinking about what they have to do and to, to win games and, and to go on to win trophies I think we're stronger mentally it's it's a massive boost again now that when we play that second game in hand we know that we can win that and go top and we can go clear and we could even be playing them and, and going five points clear when a couple of weeks ago we were talking about being 11 or more points behind them it's it's baffling to, to me that, that Rangers think they are better than they are I know they're a decent side and they have improved over the last year or two but the midfield kind of crumbles when it doesn't go to plan and they miss Ryan Jack and Ryan Jack wouldn't get in our midfield and they're, they're moaning about missing him he's, he's, a, he's a decent enough player but he's not Celtic class and if you're missing dro- dropping points and missing uh, him then, then you need to have a wee look at yourself and see what you've got and what quality you really have on the field I think Celtic have shown the last two games that maybe they're not firing on all cylinders yet. They've not had, as I said the last time I was on the podcast, they've not had the, that usual run of qualifiers where um, they're kind of like pre-season friendlies and they're playing against smaller teams. We've not had that yet, so we're still kind of finding our feet. I know it's in, towards the end of September now, but this is a completely different season. I think you'll see Celtic push on now that that mental boost is there and we've got a few big games coming up. Obviously, we want to get to the Europa League and I think the draw has been favourable, so we we should be confident in getting there. And goals coming from all over the pitch, but goals coming from Ayeti is is massive. I think it, the guy looks really really sharp. So I'm I'm confident that we'll continue on towards the top of the league. I know we're one point behind just now, but we've got a game in hand. So happy days all round, and um, a great weekend to be a Celtic fan. There you go. Um, crisis eyebrows. Complete, completely shooting down our. Um... Yeah. To the <laughs> <laughs> Ibrox, glorious Celtic pack, Celtic on <laughs> on the match the Europa League final. Um, that's that's what to pair us out with, with Paul Fisher. And um, to be fair to him, and let's be fair to him because we did laugh at him when he was on the podcast. What did he say? He said that Celtic would win every match um, between whenever that podcast was and and this Hibs game, and he said that Rangers would drop points at Easter Road. Um, and we laughed at that because it seemed outlandish at the time. And to be fair, he's been proven right. So <laughs> here we to argue. You know, what he's saying there, you know, he, he likes to go over the top a wee bit because he loves Celtic and he hates Rangers. But what um, I'd say is that he's spot on in, in the sense that we are scoring more goals than them. And I, I know we look a bit ropey at the back at times, but I think that's still going to come good. And I think we're still going to see the best of Shane Duffy and Julian and higher hopefully if he stays so um, fair play to Paul he's an optimistic Celtic fan and he shouldn't shy away from that and when it goes well from on weekends like this then it's magic there's no better feeling so um, good luck to you Paul thanks for sending a voice note in I think you're spot on about Gerard as well I think um, his post-match comments were bizarre going after Ryan Porteous like that there's just no need <laughs> there's no need for that at all Um you know, they, they like to say they've got mentality to be champions and all this, but they don't even have the mentality to go up against that Scotland under-21 international in a closed-door game. Um, let's be honest, their their mentality isn't quite there. Um, they've got their captain writing in their matchday programmes last season. That they, they kind of will at the first sign of pressure. So there's a lot to say about Rangers, and, you know, I think they are a good team. I think they're a good counter-attacking team. I think they will cause us problems at Celtic Park, but Paul's looking at it in the big picture over the course of a long season, and what he sees is a lot of bluster coming from Ibrox, a lot of negativity and worry coming from Celtic Park, and Paul thinks that balance isn't right. And to be fair, he's probably right. he's probably correct. Yeah, I I have nothing further to add because um, I, I I don't want to. Cut. I've already given my thoughts on, on how I see yeah. it things panning out over the next wee while and I, I certainly am worried um, but I would say a lot of it comes down to us rather than them uh, I think they're a decent side but I don't think they're any more than that I think they're, the reason they've done so well in Europe is because they're, they're able to counter-attack teams well so I think when we play them at home we need to find a, a way of playing against them that we haven't done in the last what three meetings maybe since the one we won at Ibrox I think they mm. dominated us and I was only two uh, only two I think but um, even prior to, to that win at Ibrox they, they kind of played well against us so yes we'll, we'll obviously preview that game neither the time it's it's kind of approaching we're less than a month um, another international break to go between now and then mm. but 
Looking forward to that one. Obviously, it's going to be a, a huge game when it comes round, even without any fans. Yes, thanks very much, Paul. Hopefully, we'll get him on the podcast at, at some stage. Bowl season must be coming up. I don't even know what's going on with that. <laughs> I've got a couple of questions for you, Mish. Just uh, we're coming towards the top of the hour, so I don't want to keep you for too long. But what do you think of? Um, and I'm putting you on a spot here because I didn't say I was going to be speaking about this. But Lennon's brought in a psychologist to help the Celtic team. Mm. Um, and it's actually already up and running there's someone in place, he's not saying who it is he's quite guarded about it um, perhaps as you'd expect given the nature of what it is but essentially Celtic are going to be taking part in fortnightly sessions either on an individual basis if the player wants it or in a group setting as well do you have any specific thoughts about that? do you think that's the kind of thing we need with all this pressure on us this season? I don't think it can do us any harm, put it that way. No. I think it's a positive. The one thing I would say is why do we need to know about it? Now, I know it comes originally from, from Dermot Desmond's interview yeah. with The Athletic and uh, I was actually going to ask you a little bit about that. It was um, it was kind of an okay interview, I thought that. Some good points mm. made, a lot of bluster to quote a word we used a few minutes ago. Mm. Um, a lot of stuff I didn't disagree with. But I, I just wonder... And I know Lennon was then asked about it in his Friday press conference and, and even from Lennon's point of view, I just kind of felt, just brushed the question off. I, I didn't feel he had to go into all that that detail. Um, I, I don't necessarily think it's something we really need to know about. I think it's something that could go on in the background. Um, in terms of actually doing it, I think it's a positive. I don't think you could look at anyone. As always, these these things in social media nowadays will be blown well out of proportion and the, the comments will be negative because, in general, social media is a negative place. It'll be people saying, um, why, why do you need a, a psychologist and all that kind of stuff? But, um, but I think it's a positive thing. Uh, I, I mean, I'd just be interested to know if, if Celtic have ever had this in place in the past because it, it seems interesting that they, they would only do it now. I have a feeling there was someone, I can't remember whether it was Martin O'Neill, but there definitely has been, I think, some, something in place. I mean, it's quite common in, in football, it's quite common in sport. I mean, I, you know, Jim McLean's side in the 1980s at Dundee United, they had a psychologist, so it's not anything new or revolutionary. It's just interesting that it all came to public. It seems perhaps a little more structured than, than in some cases it's been used in the past. You know, mm. perhaps in the way that a, a tennis player or something would take on someone like that to kind of help them with their game and have them in their camp. It seems to be someone's in place for the season. Um, so I'm interested to see how it pans out. I agree with you. I mean, I don't want to hear any more about it. I don't want to hear weekly updates about it. I, I've got no interest in hearing about who's doing it and you know, yeah. what anyone's saying. Of course, it's private, you know, but I just thought it was an interesting little thing this week. And I, I obviously think it's a positive as well. Lennon says it's been kind of in the, in the often for over a year. So I wouldn't be surprised if after the Griffith stuff, um, they perhaps looked at a way to have just an extra support system in place for the players to talk right. about stuff. You know, because it's not even just about football. You know, stuff goes on in players' lives just as, as it does in all of our lives. So... I think having any outlet or any avenue to speak about yourself and your feelings um, in a controlled environment, I think, is a good thing. So good luck to them. Yes. Um, was there another question you had, sorry? Yes, I wanted to. I actually wanted to ask you a bit about Dermot Desmond because for me, the interview was just like, it was a bit, I'm not going to say embarrassing, but. I was cringing reading some of it, and I and I don't yeah. like this chat about going to England and all that. I mean, yeah. honestly, if if that's the extent of Celtic's ambition from the majority shareholder and and from Peter Lawwell and Neil Lennon, then I've got bigger problems than we thought because I don't see us any chance of it happening anytime soon. I don't care what anyone says. It's a says. cop out, isn't it? It's a cop out. Uh, yeah, saying it's, a co- it's, it's saying Celtic have reached their ceiling right now. This is as far yeah. as we can go. We can't go further in Europe until we go to England. It's crap. Yeah. I didn't like his comments. I didn't really like his interview. I felt he seemed like a man out of touch with what's going on at Celtic. Um, and, you know, it's good that he's got a good relationship with Lennon. Um, but for me, I'd rather he... You know, if he's not going to be hands-on, yeah, don't give interviews. You know what I mean? Like, it's either all or nothing for me. Like, just stay in the background if you want to stay in the background. Don't come to the forefront and give a tell-all interview that does the rounds around the press and makes us look a bit daft. 
Yeah, there was a few other bits I saw in it. The, the stuff about Shamrock Rovers was was just a little bit strange. Um, the main one that I took that I just found myself disagreeing with straight away was his comments about the current team being able to, or, or being better than the Seville side. Just for me, complete and utter nonsense when you look at how they performed, their, their kind of disparity in their performances in Europe between the, the O'Neill team of 2003 and this current team. Um, yeah, we've got a few players that would get in that team, but but in the overall kind of quality and and how the teams were set up and how they dealt with pressure in Europe, it's a non-contest for me. And I just thought that was a strange comment. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. I, I was looking forward to the interview as I'd heard a few nice things about it, and I was looking forward to sitting down and reading it. Um, but I ended up coming away just yeah. It's a good point you make about him being a little bit out of touch. I hadn't actually really considered that, but now with some of the comments he made. Um, it does seem to make sense. And he was also questioning the players' mentality, which I thought was harsh. Um, he was speaking about it and specifically to do with Europe, and I understand it's kind of it's an easy it's an easy thing to say, and we've probably said it on the podcast before. But I mean, even Callum McGregor was kind of refuting his comments. He was asked about whether he thinks it's a mentality problem in Europe, and McGregor basically disagreed with Dermot Desmond. So. Mm. Um, perhaps it didn't go down too well with the players either, but you know, I just think it's un- it was unnecessary. It was an un- unnecessary interview and unnecessary time when things are already so heightened at Celtic. I don't think we need that kind of part, and we don't need the part about going to England and British Premier League yeah. and all this nonsense. It's just pie in the sky. It's just nonsense. It's just nonsense mm. to me. So that's my thoughts on that. Don't think we'll be on Dermot Desmond's Christmas card list anytime soon. <laughs> No, indeed, and, and neither would we want to be, really, unless he's sending a wee bit of money to us. And all that stuff about Alex Ferguson, what was that all about? I know, I know, I know, I was going to actually bring that up. That was, that was that just seemed like nonsense. No chance was Sir Alex Ferguson ever going to leave us. No. Nah. Leave Man United to, nah. to, to join ourselves. Nah. It seemed like he, he he dropped a few names in there, didn't he? I, mm. I don't know. There was. I mean, I don't know enough about Dermot Desmond, whether he's he's like that. He's always, to me, seemed quite a, a quiet figure. He certainly hasn't done many interviews in that in, in the time I've been supporting Celtic. But I, the tone of it didn't seem quite right in, also, in some of the comments he was making. Thought it was interesting that he didn't do the interview with a Celtic reporter at the Athletic, Kieran Devlin. He, he was he was in the byline though, wasn't he? Had he done oh, a bit was of it? Maybe he'd yeah, done it some was two guys. Back. Right. Okay. 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 So. Well, nah, that's me. That's me wrong. Um. <laughs> that's <laughs> anyway, well, yeah, yeah. It's been um, as you said earlier. It's been a bit of a higgledy piggledy podcast, but we've got there in the end. We've given our wonderful listeners um, close to an hour, just under fifty-five mm-hmm. minutes worth of content, and I think we're out of chat for another week, John. <laughs> yeah, I think so. We'll see how the next week pans out. We've got Riga and we've got Hibs. We'll be back to speak after that. Um, I think Rangers are going to drop points some other well, so I think we'll be top of the league next time we speak. Hopefully. Let's see how it pans out. Um, from us to you, thanks very much for listening again. Hope you have a wonderful week. Hopefully we're looking back on a couple more Celtic victories this time next week. Until next time, take care and hail hail. Day off in Kyoto.